0: Are you a strong person? Uh, Would you like to be strong?
1: My guess is there's nobody who would say, no, I'd rather not be strong. Strength we regard as a quality in a person. Quality we desire. There's a lot of different forms of strength, a lot of different ways to be strong. You could be physically strong, you know, like me.
0: I don't know why you're laughing. Uh, you could be emotionally strong.
1: That's a good thing. Being emotionally strong helps you to be there for other people. To, you, sh- strength is like a thing you can share. That's, that's an interesting feature of it. You could be intellectually strong. You can be strong in a million different ways. And strength is a desired quality. And here in the book of Ephesians, we've now come to chapter 6 and verse 10, where we read this commandment, be strong. Be strong. Now, if you study the idea of strength, In the scriptures, it's very interesting, and it's sometimes a little bit upside down. Like that scripture we just read earlier. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? My strength is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. He's announcing in that text that the path to strength is through weakness. Well, that's not what you would expect. Now, we've been looking in the book of Ephesians, and in the second part of the book of Ephesians, starting in chapter 3, really, and then really in chapter 4, Paul transitions from talking about the gospel to talking about the real-life implications and applications of the gospel. In the gospel, in the first part of the book of Ephesians, the gospel is something like we have been saved by grace through faith. Oh, and that God in Christ has reconciled us. The scripture says he himself is our peace. And very interesting in Ephesians chapter 2, he makes us one in himself through the work of his cross. In other words, he reconciles you and me together into the, the expression he uses right there in the chapter is into one new man in him. So if you ask, when did we become a church? The answer is when Jesus died on the cross. And he reconciles the people of God into one people of God through the ministry of his sacrifice. And then reconciles us together in one body to God. I don't know if you've ever noticed that the atonement of Jesus applies to us as a group, not just to each one of us individually. Though it certainly does apply that way as well. He makes me a part of the group and he reconciles us all together in one group to God in Christ. Well, I'm only mentioning that, well, because I always mention that. But also, when we get to this practical section, you want to remember that. You want to remember that the gospel is good news not just to me and you and him and her, but to us as one thing, the church. In Ephesians chapter 1, the church is called the body of Christ, the fullness of God. i was <laughs> still trying to figure that out. And so, we are made one in Him and made one with Him, restored to fellowship with God. And Jesus announced that this is the very nature of eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom You've sent. So, when we get to chapter 4 and we read this, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, that's a way of saying live your life as though this is really true. Live your life in a way that appreciates the greatness and the weight of this amazing grace, this goodness of God, this work of God to save us, to make us whole, to make us a whole, and to restore our ready fellowship with Him.
0: When you go to living your life, live it in the light, in the
1: glory of that reality. And right there in that very same sentence at the beginning of chapter 4, He tells us something about that. He says, Walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, eager, that's, you could translate that, in a hurry, rushing, stay on this, eager to maintain, not to make, not to produce, not to create, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and if you say, well, what's the unity of the Spirit? The only answer is that answer we got in chapter 2. The one new man of the body of Christ. That answer will be repeated in chapter 4 where we talk about how we are prepared to do the work of service, to serve each one doing its part in the body, speaking the truth in love. Well, you don't speak the truth in love to outer space. You speak it to each other And in doing so, you build up the body of Christ in the love of Christ. And he says, then we, speaking the truth in love, we grow into, and then he uses the exact same expression, one new man. Now that's curious. Because in chapter 2, we are made one new man. And in chapter 4, we grow into it. Interesting. So it's a thing accomplished and a thing to be maintained. Grown, developed, pursued. And then he says, as we're walking in a manner worthy of the gospel, in chapter 5, he says, be imitators of God. Be imitators of God as beloved children. And then he sort of defines that in three ways. He says walk in love, walk as children of light, and walk as wise. Walk in love as Christ has loved us. Well, that's a high standard. And you could say love the way Christ loved, loved as much as Christ loved, love because Christ loved, all of those. And then walk as children of light, discerning what pleases the Lord. And then walk as wise. And that had a bunch of expressions to describe what he meant. Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. That is such an interesting, he said, because the days are evil. In other words, wherever you show up, the situation is going wrong in any number of ways. And when you show up, you might change that. How would you bring a change to that situation? You bring Christ to that situation. That's how. We don't change that situation by creating a newer, better set of rules. We change that situation by bringing the love of Christ for real, in concrete terms. Because we know it, we know how to share it. And of course, why wouldn't you want to do that? The days are evil and we can be the light, the children of light who, walking as wise, bring Christ into the situation and redeem the moment. Whatever the moment might be. Then he prays. Filled with Christ by the Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled by the Spirit. And I don't know what you've been taught about that verse before, but it's not really a rule against getting drunk. That's not its function in the Bible. Its function is what you really want to be filled with, what you really want to be influenced by, what you really want to absorb yourself with is the Spirit of Christ. And as we read in chapter 3, what the Spirit does, and in this case, what the Spirit, we're not really filled with the Spirit, we're filled by the Spirit. And what the Spirit fills us with is Christ. Which we read about that in chapter 3. I pray that, you would, that God would grant that you would be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell, occupy, reside, take up his home in your heart through faith. What is the ministry of the Spirit? The ministry of the Spirit is to fill us with Christ. And so when he says be filled with the Spirit, he means filled with Christ by the Spirit. Addressing one another in song, he says, this is all about how to be wise. We think of being wise as being some kind of Shrewd reader of situations. And Paul says, Wise is bringing the love of Christ in a difficult situation. Wise is filled with Christ by the Spirit. Wise is addressing one another in the fellowship of the saints, nurturing, or, I'm sorry, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. What we were doing just a moment ago and singing from our hearts before the Lord is wise a smart thing to do. It, we don't do it just because it's an enjoyable emotional experience. We do it because it gets us wrapped up into Christ with each other. And there is deep wisdom in that reality. And then he says, he really gets to the hard part when he says, submitting To one another out of fear for Christ.
0: I am called to place myself beneath you and you too, to serve your needs as Christ did. We should be having some sort of humble contest here in the body.
1: Loving one another as Christ loved us. Out of reverence to Christ. And then he applies that idea in everyday roles of life. Wives, husbands, children, parents, slaves, masters. Maybe we translate that to workers, employers. All of that is how do we walk in a manner worthy of the gospel? How do we live our everyday life under the weight of the glory of the good news? (laughs) How do we live our lives? Falling on our face before God in gratitude. Well, there's one more thing on that list, and that's what we get to today. Finally, he says, finally, wrapping up this new kind of walk, be strong. Be strong. Now, that word translated here, finally, could also be translated from now on. It's a weird word. And in this context, it kind of means, and the last thing on my list is, but in many contexts, this very same word might be used to say, and from now on, this is how. I think we could probably take it both ways. Be strong. Be strong. This is a very interesting construction in the original language of the New Testament. It's what you call a passive imperative. What that means is it's a commandment, an imperative, but it's passive, as in you're not the one actually doing it. It is something done to you, and yet you are commanded. It's very much like the verb, in fact, it's exactly the same construction as the verb in Romans 12, to be transformed. Be transformed. It doesn't say transform yourself. It could say that but it doesn't. It says be transformed. It's a passive voice verb in the imperative. So it's a commandment that you don't do the work of. That hardly seems fair. So what does that mean? It means let this happen to you. That's what it means. You won't be the one actually doing it, but you let it happen. And the interesting thing about this verb is, it's when we translate it, be strong, that sounds like something you're going to do. Literally translated, it means be strengthened. And when I hear that, I think immediately of I bow my knees before the Father that He would grant you to be strengthened. To be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. And I think here, he's ju- it's just an echo. It's an echo. We're supposed to remember He already said that. He already said that and we're supposed to now enter into that. Who is Paul asking for strength from? In chapter 3, God, through the ministry of the Spirit in the heart of the believer, that we would believe more, harder, deeper, wider, more well informed, I don't know, every which way, that we would come to trust Christ, and so Christ would come to occupy us. And for that, that requires strength. You are not an adequate person to house Christ. But you will be if the Spirit strengthens you to be. And so here we are, say, we are that, now who's he asking? There he's asking God, here he's asking you. Be strengthened. And what he means when he says be strengthened, because it's this sort of weird structure, is let God have this from you let God's work of the spirit in your life to be dwelt in by Christ through faith submit yourself to that amazing grace I mean can you think of a more privilege a greater privilege that you could experience than this Even if you think you can think of one, you cannot think of one. There isn't one. This is the most amazing possible thing that could ever happen to a person. That the very Son of God, the Spirit of the Son of God would so dwell in me that I become an actual reflection of who He is. Oh, that's created according to his likeness, in order to bear his image. Be strong. Be strong. You're not strong enough to bear the weight of the love of God in Christ, but the Spirit will strengthen you to bear it anyway, to carry it with you, to be overwhelmed by it all the
0: time. So, to
1: become a reflection of his nature in this world, how will you be strengthened? He says, In the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. <laughs> Paul does this where he just likes to pile up words that all seem to mean the same thing. In fact, all of three of these words could be translated with the other words that we use to translate them. We're just like picking one, though they're not all the same word in the original text. In the strength of his power, you could translate this like this, and at least one English translation does, in, the, in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. And what that would mean is something like this, through the working of his power. In other words, how will you be strengthened? His mighty power will work in you to give you strength. So you will be strengthened. Now this is just reminding us even more all the time of that prayer in chapter 3. That somehow God would grant that the Holy Spirit would somehow work in us to strengthen us so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. There, he uses a similar expression strengthened with power. And then another way you could translate this or understand this expression in the strength of his power is something like this under the rule of his power.
0: This idea of his inherent mightiness,
1: the thing that causes us all to regard him as king, sovereign, ruler. So, in that sense, we might read this like this governed by what he is able to accomplish. Governed by what he is able to accomplish. Be strengthened. (laughs) You're not ready for this project, just in case you weren't aware. The Lord is ahead of you on this. Now he's patient. You're his beloved child, so don't worry.
0: But this is a magnificent thing,
1: a magnificent thing, to be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. If we looked back through the book of Ephesians and looked at what it says about being strengthened, you could start in chapter 1 and look at verse 19.
0: Paul prays for
1: the church that we would uh, have a certain vision, that we would be able to see various things. And at the end of that list is this thing that he hopes the Lord will enable us to see. What is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? Do you see the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might. Again, it's one of these word piles. That Oh, and here's the nature of this power. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head. The father gave the son as head over all things to the church. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We have no idea how magnificent that is. What a crazy privilege is bestowed on us in Christ. That power, <laughs> the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power God exercised to bring us together in Christ in his resurrection, it says this in chapter 2. He raised us together with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. That same power that God exercised to bring us together in Christ and under the headship of Christ by his grace through faith. Then if you look at chapter 2 and verse 8 through 10, I sort of jumped ahead already, but for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is is not your own doing. (laughs) It is a gift of God. It is His doing. It is an exercise of His power that you have been saved by His grace through faith. Not a result of works. Not because of anything you did or could do. so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship, His project,
0: His doing,
1: created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We don't get to do anything
0: until the very end.
1: Because we've been saved by grace through faith because of his work, which he worked, he created us in Christ Jesus and prepared good works for us to walk in.
0: So we can. So we can.
1: That's the power we're talking about. That's the strength we're talking about being strengthened with. And then in chapter 3, we've already discussed this a little bit. In verse 14, For this very reason I bow my knees before the Father whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory... How rich is that? According to the riches of His glory, He may grant you... To be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength, may have strength to comprehend, together with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <laughs> and so
0: when he comes in chapter six and he says, be strengthened, that's what he's talking about.
1: You could look at some other interesting scriptures about strength, like the one we already looked at this morning. His, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean except that the strength, the real strength that we possess as the children of God is his and not ours? You could look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where Paul says we hold this treasure in jars of clay so that it will be clear, (laughs) it will be clear that it's from him and not from us. That we are molded into his likeness to bear his image. Or you could look at Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, I know how to be content no matter what my situation. I can be poor or rich. I can be well fed or hungry. I can have plenty of nice clothes or practically naked. I can have good shelter or no shelter. And then he says this, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. And when he says that, he doesn't mean he can accomplish any goal his little heart desires. He means he can endure any situation because he Knows the love of God his Father in Christ. And so whatever you throw at him is washed in the blood of Christ. Whatever you dump on his head, whatever pain is inflicted upon him, and you know, this guy endured just about everything. Anything you could do to a person was done to him. And he says, I can do anything because Christ strengthens me. So when Paul says, in my weakness, I become strong, Paul knows what he's talking about. The very thing he was specifically talking about in that chapter, he begged
0: for God to take away and then he learned the glory of it strength in this
1: text who is to be strengthened who well what we do in the modern world is individualize everything but in this case be strong is a plural verb, which means y'all. Y'all be strong. Sorry, I got to say it like this. Y'all be strong now.
0: All y'all, if you're from Mississippi,
1: be strong. We are strengthened together, which in the context of the book of Ephesians, there is no other way to read this. This is not just about me being strengthened and you being strengthened. It is about the strength we are strengthened with together in the body. It's an us, not a me. Who is strengthened? The one new man in Christ. Is strengthened. Now, the one new man in Christ is strengthened in the strengthening of each of the parts of each of us. The one new man in Christ is strengthened in the development of our loving fellowship in the local body. The one new man is strengthened when any one part does his part, speaking the truth in love for the building up of the body. All of these things are ministries of the Spirit of God in the life of each of us and in the life of us together. How? How are we to be strengthened in this text? Well, in the Lord and in the strength of His might, by the inner empowerment of the Holy Spirit, by relying on Christ and not ourselves, together with all the saints. And what are we
0: being strengthened for? Why do you need to be strengthened? To continue and to grow in
1: faith in Christ. Now, this verse, one of the reasons I'm camped on it, one verse for this Sunday, is because of where we're going next which is another case where we need strength. But the thing to focus on is what, is what sort of strength are we talking about? And what is it strength to do? It is strength to trust Christ. It is strength to be occupied by Christ. To be a Christ-centered person. To grow in our understanding and experience of the love of God and to grow in our understanding and experience of the love of God is to know the love of God in Christ by the Spirit. To experience the fullness of God in the union of the church, the one new man, the building up of the body. That's what this strength is for. And what we're going to come to next is that this strength is also for. But I will want to make the case that this strength is for what's coming next based on what it's already for. And that is the strength to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know, the devil has schemes. How do we stand against the schemes of the devil? What are those schemes? I wonder if we even need to know. How do we stand against those? Who are these schemes against? If we notice that we are not in this alone, then we also notice that the schemes of the devil are not aimed at me as much as they are aimed at us. And if he can aim one at me in order to get us, that's good. Well, that's bad. But finally, what is this strength for? This strength is to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's what it's for. To Live our lives in the consciousness of God's magnificent grace. I want to summarize this like this. Trusting Christ. Trusting Christ. Looking to God in Christ, which we only do by the functioning of the Spirit in us. Looking to God in Christ by the Spirit, together
0: is our strength. That's
1: my summary of all this this morning. Trusting Christ together is our strength. You could just say trusting Christ is my strength, and that wouldn't be wrong. But it would be short. Trusting Christ together is our strength. We are the people who walk in fellowship with Almighty God, the mighty fortress. We are the people who walk in fellowship with Almighty God. We, not just me, And your fellowship with God is part of my fellowship with God and vice versa and all around. My strength is yours and vice versa and all around. He is in the business of creating one new man, not a bunch of new men. We are the people who walk in fellowship with Almighty God. Strength. We walk in fellowship with Almighty God in Christ and by the Spirit be strengthened.
0: Father, thank you.
1: Father, at this moment we open ourselves to your grace. We say yes to Your goodness, to this salvation that we have in Christ. We come with empty hands to receive this
0: gift, this blessing,
1: this goodness in Him. Lord, as we come to the table this morning, it's just to get something. To feast
0: on this love, this
1: sacrifice, this fellowship. And to do so with rejoicing hearts together.
0: Thank you, Lord. Amen.